0: When Hannah was 10, she was a harsh critic of her teachers. And she wrote about them in her diary.
1: Thursday the 12th. We had a substitute teacher today at school. She was ugly, but nice. <laughs> today was a really good day.
0: That's Hannah reading from her childhood diary. I'm Dan Meisner, and this, this Right now, is Grown Up Street so Things They Wrote as Kids. How are you doing tonight? It's very, very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Artesian in Regina, we have unrequited love poetry about prince william sibling flatulence and much more this stuff is weird it is wonderful and like a substitute teacher it can be ugly and nice at the same time so think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around Poetry is always popular at Grown Up Street, things they wrote as kids. And our next reader, Kate, brought along two poems she wrote at 15. These are love poems, and they're about somebody in particular Prince William. <laughs> Live on stage, here's Kate.
2: I actually wrote many poems about him. I thought we were soulmates. <laughs> this is called My Prince. <laughs> I saw him yesterday and all the old feelings came to the surface. I thought I gave up on him, but one glance of his face and it all came rushing back. I don't know that much about him. He is left-handed. I know his birthday and that he hates cameras. He is timid. That is all I know. I don't even know if I'm meant to be with him or look from far away, but even looking makes me hunger him. I can't torture myself anymore. I have to push it aside because deep down I can't make up my mind. Is it my brain telling me we are meant to be, or is it my heart? It may be a hunger so strong I mistake it for something more. Only time will tell. This is called I Want It That Way. I think about you more and more every day. I can't help myself, but I think of the future. I dream of us meeting, what we say, where we go. I dream about our wedding, our future. I know it is so unhealthy (laughs) because I may never even meet you. I'll watch you get married to someone else at two in the morning on my black and white TV. in my rundown home (laughs) with no one to love because I refuse them all saving myself for you Do I wait for you to come? What if I end up alone? Do I marry someone I love? What if we do meet and you are my soulmate? I am doing everything in my power to reach you I am even saving for a trip to where you are. (laughs) But I don't know what I'm expecting, just to bump into you? But I guess it's not so bad dreaming about you, because if it won't happen in reality, at least it will happen in my dreams. Thank you. (laughs)
0: In order to understand our next reading, you need to know a little bit about somebody named Toller Cranston. Now, if you're not familiar, Toller Cranston was a renowned Canadian figure skater and artist, and he was kind of a big deal in the Canadian figure skating world of the 1970s. And the only other thing you need to know about Toller Cranston is that when our next reader, Lynette, was 12, she was a great admirer of his. At our Regina show, Lynette shared a few private diary entries all about getting to see Toller Cranston perform live, and also about her first kiss, which was not with Toller, but instead with a guy named Billy.
3: October 23rd, 1976. Dear Diary, so many things have happened. I don't know if I can jot them all down in one night. We just finished watching an hour special on TV about taller Cranston. (laughs) You know that skater is the most talented man I have ever seen. He skates as artistic as he paints. I've always admired him as an amateur and now as a professional. (laughs) Now down to the nitty-gritty. I'm going around with Billy Poolin. Would you believe it? It all started out at Anna Lee's mixed birthday party. (laughs) Only a few from the class were invited. We played truth or dare. (laughs) We danced a lot. Then a few weeks after, we asked Mr. Shear if we could move our desks, and now mine is right beside his. I really like him but not in the way I like John that's different (laughs) if only I could show him how much I like him all the girls and guys that are going around in our class go behind a big shed behind the school (laughs) and they neck (laughs) yes neck Billy wants me to go there with him. I don't really want to go. Well, besides, I wouldn't know what to do anyway. I've never done anything like that before. But I'm afraid he won't like me. But I'm not going to do something just because everybody else is. Oh, well. More later. November 20th, 1976. Dearest diary. Today, the most exciting experience happened to me, Lynette Piper. Can you believe it? Not what you think. A few weeks ago, there was a flash bulletin in the Mount Paul newsletter. It said that Taller Cranston and his ice show would be doing a few shows in Kelowna around the 20th. One problem, though, you could only go if you belonged to the Mount Paul Skating Club because they reserved 50 seats and rented a chartered bus. But guess what? I got to go! We left this morning at 11 and arrived at 2.30 to see the show. Fantastic. Outstanding. Spectacular. No word seems to describe how good it was. Top Canadian skaters, singles and pairs, together made up the show called The Ice Show. When he skated You could feel such a tingling feeling It was something I will never forget After the show Everyone wanted his autograph But Taller was beat So much And I wrote Exorcism And then I crossed it out And I went So much exertion And energy In that two-and-a-half-hour show, (laughs) a few friends and me, we knocked on his dressing room door, but he had already left. He came out a few minutes earlier in a leather jacket with the collar done up and a hat over his face. He jumped into a car, and he left. I don't blame him, though. After such a tiring performance, he had to do another one show later that night at 8 o'clock. But even if we didn't get an autograph, we still wrote him a note. And we gave it to his secretary, who was in the dressing room cleaning up. (laughs) My letter was like this. Dear Taller, please send me your autograph, if you can. I love you and your skating. X-O-X-O. O X O X O X O X. Pretty silly, huh? But I'm going to wait and see if he will write to me. Yours, Lynette. He never wrote, by the way. <laughs> December twenty-second, nineteen seventy-six. Dear Diary, I have done it. Sort of. I've been going to a lot of mixed parties lately. Billy's in particular. It was fun. In fact, it was terrific. We danced and ate enough to feed an elephant, and we played games such as spin the bottle. Would you believe that we had to do it? I was petrified, but I didn't want to say no. Once I look back, it seems pretty silly, but anyway, this is how it went down. I didn't want anyone watching, so we did it behind the couch. Oh, it just seems so stupid. But he first asked me if he wanted it on the cheek or on the lips. I wish I had said nowhere. (laughs) But I did say, I don't care. He sort of kissed me in between the lips and the cheek. Everyone laughed. I felt so dumb, so embarrassing. More later. Yours, Lynette. Thank you.
0: Call our next reader, Prolific, is perhaps an understatement. Hannah has been keeping diaries and journals since she was five years old. She tells me she has at least twenty volumes to date. And we are tonight going to hear some selections from the diary Hannah kept at 10 years old. She says she had a lot of things going on that she felt very deep emotions about that she didn't necessarily know how to handle, including love interests at school, arguing with her brothers, a mean girl situation, and we're going to hear all about it right now. Please welcome Hannah to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage. A quick heads up, Hannah uses some cuss words in her diary, which we do not bleep.
1: Okay, so to begin, um, May 23rd, 2006. Zach is a bitch. Lonnie is a fucker. These are my two younger twin brothers. I hate my brothers so much. When Lonnie and Zach bug me, I get so mad that I feel like hurting Lonnie and Zach a lot. Sometimes my brothers and I really wrestle and hurt each other a lot. My dad says when I grow up, I will love or like my brothers, but I doubt my brothers and I will like each other when we grow up. August the 8th. Diary, before I rate anything, I want to tell you something. I've only told my mom and my dad and my brothers, Lonnie and Zach, about it. I have a huge crush on Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) I know it's dumb, but it's just that I think about him sometimes, and today, for some reason, I fell in love with him. (laughs) I am having daydreams that I'm going to go to California and meet Arnold. I mean, I'm too in love with him. My mom said that when we get enough money, we can all go to California. I hope so. November the 19th. I haven't written in here for about five months now, and I'm going to start again. School is going good, and I have fallen in love with a new PE teacher, about 20 years old, named Tyson Krause. <laughs> Reminded that I'm 10. Uh, he is so hot, but that only tops him off. His personality is amazing. He's funny, he's fun, smart, cool, and oh, once again, he is hot. <laughs> I have to write some more soon, but I have to go watch a family movie with my family. Write you again soon. Bye-bye-bye. Uh, January 2nd, 2009. I am so sorry I haven't wrote for a long time, but I have been so busy getting ready for Christmas and all that jazz. By the way, the Christmas concert, the Christmas feast, and Christmas Day was also wonderfully great. I think I'm going to have my period any day now, and it's not going to be pretty. (laughs) And then in all caps across the page, shut up. Ah, Lonnie and Zach haven't changed that much from 2008. They're still annoying, stupid, piggish, and brainless. Gotta go. See ya. January 5th, 2009. I was so glad to see Hannah again today, but how I wish Mr. Kroos was still here. I miss his smile and his funny ways. I miss him looking through the staff room window into my eyes. I miss playing basketball and shooting hoops with him. I miss everything to do with him and me. I promised to stay in basketball. That was the last thing he said to me. Keep up in basketball. (laughs) February 3rd, 2009. My brothers are being complete morons this morning. They were bugging me at breakfast, and they bugged me in the kitchen, and they farted in my room. (laughs) So now it is no longer room, it is a toxic waste area. <laughs> I hope today goes well and Rachel will actually talk to me. I can't believe Emery has infected her again. And to leave you guys uh, a poem that I wrote. I have no clue where this came from, and yeah, it is no title, just poem. Our boat of love is sailing the rough sea. There is no bathroom, and I have to go pee. <laughs>
0: Hello, everybody. I would be lying if I said I did not fart in my sister's room. (laughs) A lot of what we hear on stage at Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote As Kids is funny or weird or awkward or embarrassing or all of those things put together – But we also hear writing that deals with the darker, more difficult parts of growing up. We hear things written by kids in really challenging times. Our next reader, Kristen, shared some excerpts from the diary she kept from 11 all the way into her teenage years. And the thing you need to know is that when Kristen was growing up, her dad joined what she describes as a fundamentalist cult. In order to understand her diary... There are a couple of terms you need to know. There's a bit of a glossary. Professed, that is a public declaration of giving your life to God. Worldly, that is all of the people and things that are going to hell. And workers are the cult leaders. Reading what I believe is a grown-ups read things they wrote as kids first. Please welcome to our stage, Kristen. A quick heads up, Kristen's diary includes suicidal ideation. It also includes some cuss words, which we do not bleep. There's your heads up. Here's Kristen.
4: November 24th, 1985. I was 11 years old when I started this. Today, since it was the last meeting for a while, the workers tested it. Um, Only Tom Smith professed. He's eight years old. Tomorrow we have a major science test. I hope I pass. Dad had one of his fits today. I wonder if I could name all of the things he's called me. I didn't get yelled at tonight. Ryan did. I've been called a spineless jellyfish, a pig, a bloodsucker, a city sucker, a know-nothing, a weakling, a do-not-care, a whiner, a suck, a baby, a mudsucker, a sniffling rat. Can't think of any more at the moment. We had science tests today. I know I passed. I just hope I did really good. December. I found out I got a 54 in science. I suppose I'll get mom to sign it. Um, January 1987. I have to admit, life's not perfect. Could do with some more clothes, of course. And then there's good old dad. You should see what he did to Ryan's arm. The bruise is so gross, or should I say all the bruises. My legs hurt from jogging this morning. These past two years have been so strange. I lived in the world for eight or nine months, had a boyfriend, and just totally changed. If I could, I'd do those two years a lot different than I did, but that isn't the way it is. Uh, July 1988, I almost killed myself tonight. August 1988, I professed again. I felt I had to because of having a boyfriend and being so worldly. I can't continue having a boyfriend if I want to be professing. It'll hurt, but with God on my side, I can do it. This is going to be a good year, because things are only what you make them, and with God, I'll make this a good year. August 1988, I made a life-and-death decision yesterday. I decided on death, September 9th, 1988, exactly one month from yesterday. I just can't take it anymore. I would really like some help, but from who? I don't know, and I'm scared. Um, Undated. About the above paragraph, I try not to think about it too much. Everything's okay. Well, not exactly, but it's easy enough to hide. I'm even getting good at hiding from myself. Actually, the days I can take. It's just when I'm alone and I start to think about the shit I am. During the days, I even start thinking about my future and how I'm going to do it, and it seems so great, and I want to live and take the good and the bad and do something with my life, accomplish a dream, and then I realize at night that because it is me doing it, nothing will ever come of it, and most of it is my own fault, and I am just not strong enough to handle my family and my problems. I'm going to do things for other people because I don't really matter. And if I can make other people think I'm good, maybe I can believe it. Um, September. I've been having my share of problems lately. I didn't do September 9th, obviously, but that doesn't mean I haven't quit thinking about it. I think I'm going to do September 9th. I mean, my life is this fucked up and I'm only 14 and a half. Imagine how it's going to be when I'm 20 or 25. I'll spend this week making people like me. I have to remember to be quiet. I promise myself that I will take my own life before Sunday, Kristen. Sunday. Well, it's Sunday and I'm still here, not because I want to, because I'm stalling. I don't know how or where to do it, and I'm scared. I hate myself. There's no way I can change even a tiny bit of anything. I'll be married at 25 with 10 kids, so why bother? October 1988. I just realized that if anyone ever read this, they'd know more about me than I do almost. Uh, February 1988. Letter to Dad. I'm going through a difficult time in my life and I'm going to stop professing so I can decide if I really believe in the truth as you see it. I've been having serious doubts about the truth or even the existence of a God for quite a while now. I do know that I don't, at least for now, believe in God like you do and I don't agree with the way you live your life. I'm old enough to understand what I'm doing. I'm even scared. What if what I'm giving up is correct and the right way? What if I'm losing eternal life? However, what if, for me at least, eternal life or whatever is found somewhere else? I know that at this moment you cannot accept or understand what it is I'm doing, but please leave me be. And then um, November 1995. On Friday night, we did mushrooms. And it was really lots of fun. But at one point, I started thinking about that. This is something I haven't thought about for a long time. After I moved out, it was so calm, so nice to be away from all the stress, and it really shows in the way I live my life and how I feel. About a month after I moved out, Ryan came over and we were sitting on the deck and he asked me if I was peaceful, and I was. But I think I kept pushing bad things out of my head. Lately, it's just been getting harder to do that. I think as time passes, what I used to say was that because you're related to people, you don't have to like them. But I don't know if it's that simple. If I could accept that, it would be so much easier. But sometimes I wonder if Dad even thinks about me since I left. If he does think about me, I wonder what he thinks. I know he doesn't mention my name at all. But it isn't possible to ignore your own relations? Then what is the next step? How do you rectify all the past? Is that even possible? Or do you just have to deal with it and learn to accept it? Because I wonder if I spent time alone with him. We have no common ground. What could we talk about? And is it just fear and antagonism gone out of me yet? Or would that just get worse? But lately I've been thinking about the total brutal honesty that once in a while was present in our relationship and there's got to be something there. It can't all be bad feelings. Sometimes, a lot actually. I wish he would just take my hand in his and tell me he loves me. That would somehow kind of validate my life. I just don't understand why I have such a need for his approval. I guess I don't even need him to approve, but just to love me because I'm his daughter and that's the way it should be. Okay, thank you.
0: After the show, I asked Kristen what made her get up on stage to share those diary entries.
4: Um, I didn't particularly want to share them on stage, but I'm in a writing program right now uh, where I'm being encouraged to work on my speaking skills. And I thought, well, I'm just going to sign up uh, spur of the moment. Didn't think it through at all. Um, and then dug through the box and found them. And then it really just feels as though putting those words out in public to people um, freed any power over the events that I've kind of allowed to remain suffocating me a little bit I guess um, and if yeah if I could go back and talk to that kid who wrote them I would just sort of comfort her and say look it all turned out okay
0: Our next reader, Krista, kept a diary growing up, and at our Regina show, she shared a couple of entries from age 8 to 11, all about crushes, taking the bus, and her relationship with her mom. Please welcome Krista to our stage. A quick heads up, Krista uses some cuss words in her diary, which we do not bleep.
5: Dear the person that is reading this, are you sure you're supposed to be reading somebody else's diary? <laughs> if you're my parents, then yes. I know that I'm not supposed to call other people bitches and idiots, but this isn't calling, this is writing. And if you punish me, then I'll know that you read my diary. Signed, Christopher Anyways, Saturday, February 17th, 2007. My mom is so mean! <laughs> May 7th, 2007. I'm in the bus... I'm in the bus writing this. I'm so bored. Spelt like bored like a chalkboard. And It's so bumpy in here. When I have nothing to do, I look outside, or I read a book, or I write you, or I listen to the radio, or I talk to Anna, or I listen to the older kids, or the little kids. But... I hope none of them sit with me because I'm even more bored with them. (laughs) July 4th, 2007. I hate mom. She doesn't care about me. She doesn't feed me what I want. She puts soap in my mouth. She doesn't go where I want to go, where she doesn't let me go to sleep when I want, and she never buys me what I want. So so that's why I hate her. Oh yeah, I forgot to say that. In the last second last week of school, there's another new girl in my class. All right. So, how to deal with your crush. One, be yourself. Two, don't try to change yourself. Your looks, your interests, or your thoughts. He wants to get to know you. Three, remember that he's just a person. Maybe he's nervous, too. Four, if he doesn't like you, he's not right for you. Five, there's someone for everyone. Six, it takes time to find the right person. Okay, so November 17th, 2008. My mom is a bitch. My mom is a bitch. My mom is a bitch. Went all along this page here you like my rhyming, I can make others, too. Mom is a bitch. I wish I could throw her in a ditch. <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm going to ditch her and never do the dishes again, ever. <sighs> this poem inspired me to do it because I hate her, and it has always been that way. And of course, she's a bitch. Well, I'm a fail. Oh, by the way, did I mention she's a bitch? <laughs> but I still love her to this day. She's an amazing lady, honestly. Thank you.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that your relationship with your mother is a little better now because I was honestly a little afraid to ask. Here at Grown Ups three Things They Wrote as Kids, we often hear about a very particular type of love. That is unrequited love. And our next reader, Kaylee, is going to share two private journal entries that fall into the unrequited love category. These are journal entries written in grade nine, all about boys that she quote unquote loved, but didn't have anything to do with romantically. Please welcome Kaylee to our stage. <laughs> A quick heads up, Kaylee uses some cuss words in her reading which we do not bleep.
6: Alright. February something. Thursday, but I don't know what day. Time to stand still when you're grounded. I'm so bored, but I'm beating the system. They don't know my weakness. If they took away my makeup, I'd kill. Oh, And since I'm grounded but can still go to drama practice, I took a little detour on the way and bought a magazine and smuggled it home to keep me busy. It doesn't have enough to read, but it has a lot of hottie posters, which is all right. Hmm, I want to talk about something interesting. Oh, at drama, me, Lila, Brie, and Justine were writing little messages, and Justine wrote the sweetest thing. Me, Brie, and Lila were all, Oh my God, you should write for Hallmark. (laughs) she wrote if you took a knife and cut out a little chunk of heaven in Kaylee's eyes it would be Colton (laughs) and yet so true he's got the sweetest upturned nose perfect chocolatey brown hair perfect clear skin I never really paid attention to the color of his eyes because I just tend to get lost in them. <laughs> he, always, <laughs> he always looks so sympathetic and like he's deep in thought. It's so cute because he usually isn't. <laughs> There's just something about him. Something that makes you think that if you were the only human on the earth, that would be all right. And I don't mean anything sickle about that. I'm not talking about survival of the species. (laughs) I just think I like him now a little bit less, though. I think I'm just depressed, because being grounded, I'm starting to only think about food. (laughs) Uh, The pain from this didn't last too long, because on September 1st, 2004, I had a new crush. Holy shit. Jared got so hot over the summer... (laughs) He seemed to have beefed up a little bit because, well, yes, I was staring at his chest. I think he might have a six-pack building there. He got his hair bleached in sections, you know, like streaked, but in a guy way. And it's longer, but not too long and curly. Aw. No, wait, not curly. It's that flipped out thing I said I'd die for and he was wearing this fire engine red Nike shirt, my hormones were flying. (laughs) I was like drooling, fainting, and chanting. (laughs) Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, for about ten minutes straight. I feel intimidated. Oh, and he's got a little edge now. I saw him looking pissed and mouthing fuck under his breath. (laughs) So if he's not a saint, I don't have to be either. (laughs) I think these changes are way sexy. Before, even though I loved him, he was kind of a nerd. Now, he's hot and sexy, got an edge, and still an amazing person who volunteers. (laughs) I love him to pieces the dance is on the 17th maybe I can make a move and I did
0: if I as a teenager had only known that the ways into girls hearts was looking pissed and mouthing the word fuck under my breath my adolescence would have looked a lot different If you know the show, you know the music, and you know that that means this has been Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Huge round of applause for all of the readers tonight. So, so, so good. Thank you for reading. Thank you to Dan for doing sound tonight. Thank you to Dana and everybody here at The Artesian. We love being here. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around. Say hello. Get home safe. Dig up your own kid writing. We will see you sooner, Gina. Good night.
3: I wish I had said nowhere.